Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and welcome to Live Natural, Live Well. I'm your host. Heather Lounsbury, also known as Doc Heather. Thank you so much for joining today. My guest, who I will bring on shortly, is Ruby Roth. She is an incredible artist and children's book author. Her latest is Help Yourself, so I'll be bringing her on shortly. Uh, if you've never tuned into a show before, I'm a doctor of Chinese medicine, nutritionist, and author of Fix Your Mood with Food. And I'm also a proud vegan. So you can check out my website for more information at livenaturallivewell.com. You can follow me on Twitter at DocHeather. Please be sure to mark my show as a favorite. And I do offer phone consults. So be in touch if you'd like help getting healthier or going plant-based or anything health-related. I'd be happy to help. Let me go ahead and bring Ruby on. Hi, Ruby. Uh-oh, did I lose her? Hold on a second, guys. Sorry. Hi, Ruby. Shoot, why can't I hear you? Sorry, guys. It'll just be a minute. There we go. Are you there? <laughs> okay, Hi. Good. I don't know what happened there. Hi, Ruby. Thanks for joining me today. Hi. Glad to be back on the phone with you. Oh, yes. Um, And, yeah, we just had a little catch-up, so that was really nice to know how you're doing. Um, So let's, for my listeners, if you want to share a little bit about your story and what inspired you to become a children's book author. Well, I've always been heading toward being an artist. Um, since I was a kid, uh, that was very clear and took classes and, you know, was becoming an artist through childhood and high school and college. And I always felt like I wanted to do something with my art um, that was bigger than just the self-expression that had a purpose. And when I got out of college, um, I was teaching at an elementary school and um, I had already gone vegan, and the kids were very curious about my eating habits as they started to take notice. And I went to look for a book that I could bring in and do an art project with them that we could share and, and talk about. And what I found were very few books, and they were, you know, either about a talking animal or a talking vegetable, which I felt, A, took away from the very rich, true, real-life Um, emotional lives of animals and also from the children's intelligence and what they were capable of understanding. So I had a background, obviously, in art, um, but also social justice and activism. And I decided to put those 
two passions and interests and studies together to create the books that I wanted to read to my students. Nice. And um, how about with becoming a vegan and how you wanted to incorporate that into your art, into your books? Well, I had been always interested in justice. Um, and fairness, even since I was a little kid. My mom had stories of, you know, me being in school and, and concerned about other kids being fair. Um, and I was, you know, on judicial council in high school and doing activist work in college and um, anti-racism organizations and um, all kinds of social justice work. So at some point um, during college, a friend of mine who was already vegan pointed out to me that my eating habits did not match my morals and my values. And that really caught me off guard. I didn't know what he was talking about. And it wasn't like veganism had never um, popped up in my life. I, I went to UC Santa Cruz, which is like a mecca of veganism and liberalism. And my mom was vegetarian my entire life. It, I, it had been around me, but I never identified myself um, as, I never identified that that might even be a possibility for me. It just didn't occur to me. Um, so he, he, this friend pointed out um, the injustice in all parts of animal agriculture industry, you know, from labor to the animal rights um, to governmental um, involvement in the food system and, and all kinds of corruption and collusion down through the medical fields and education and our nurses and the food systems and pharmaceuticals and how everything was related. And it made me feel like the activism that I was doing was pointless because I was not embodying any kind of real change. Right. So it really, really hit me um, that I was not being efficient as an activist, nor as someone who cared at all about the environment or about health or about civil rights and justice at all until I actually changed you know my my buying habits and my eating habits and literally put my money where my mouth is well that's that's such a great story because I I was um similar story that I went vegetarian at a young age I was 14 and um then in college I got tons of pressure because I didn't really think about going further and becoming a a full-on vegan back then but once I hit college and people pointed out to me like Heather, the, the hypocrisy uh, around it, because I had, I was maybe not as involved in the social causes as you were, but I was definitely like going to demonstrations and, you know, working at a food co-op and everything. And then it's like, Oh my goodness, like there's so much more to it. Like my, you know, I vote with what I put in my mouth and what I wear every, you know, every single day, several times a day. Um, exactly. And I think it's, it's yeah. a, there's a huge difference, um, you know, when people feel involved in movements, especially today with everything going on with women's rights and immigrant rights and, you know, our, our president and 
there's so much resistance and protest, um, but we have to be very careful about, you know, the difference between protesting and asking other people to change their ways, demanding change right. from other people versus taking the responsibility onto ourselves to change the systems. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, that's a great sort of segue into what I wanted to ask you as well, since we last did uh, an interview, uh, the shift in veganism becoming more and more mainstream and more popular, it's been a huge, uh, a huge change. And how has that affected um, your writing children's books? Has there been more dialogue that's positive or people more open to the idea of their children as being vegan? Did I lose you? Uh-oh. Sorry, guys. Technical difficulties again. I'm sure Ruby will be back shortly. Um, if you have any questions, please call in at 657-383-1908. Please call in with questions. I'm sure Ruby would love to hear from you, and so would I. And hopefully she'll be back on. If you have any questions, are you there? Oh, so hopefully she'll come back. Her phone number just dropped. Um, if you have any questions for me or want help being healthy, going plant-based or already vegan, but aren't sure if you're doing it right, please be in touch. And I think Ruby's back. Hi, Hi Ruby. Hi. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah, it would somehow you must have just I must have been muted. I could hear you. All good. Oh, so okay. I um, I That's so weird was yeah. It's okay. It's technology. <laughs> oh, I had that with um, I had Dan Matthews from PETA on my show, and his phone died. He couldn't get through. Like all this stuff was happening. <laughs> <laughs> Should be perfect by now. Um, well, um, I was just so. in, in answering your question. I was saying that the I've definitely seen a change in the marketplace from 2009 when my first book came out. Um, the publisher at that time didn't even want me to write vegan or vegetarian on the cover, you know, because it was just didn't seem like there was a market out there. And by the time my second book came out in 2012, Vegan is Love, they were completely fine. They wanted the word vegan in there because they could see that it had uh, become a search term that people were looking for. So beyond that, since 2012, I had another book, V is for Vegan, come out in 2013, and then the Help Yourself Cookbook came out in 2016. And I've watched the movement grow strong enough around the world where these books have now been translated into um, nearly 10 languages. And so you see that it's a mark of a very risk-averse industry, publishing, um, which is now confident enough to take on titles where they see that the vegan market, you know, is supportive and that these are titles that will have a following and, and that there's people looking for this information. Well, that's great to hear because I, I know you got, um, 
a lot of sort of backlash for promoting the animal rights aspect to, to kids. And it's good to know that even that has uh, improved yeah, in the I last think nine years. Yeah, when I when I hit hit the major media with vegan is love, and they were saying this is controversial and you can't talk to kids about slaughterhouses and this is too scary for children and it's inappropriate, and you know all of this pushback. Um, I don't uh, I don't even think that that kind of reaction would occur today in 2018 um, over the same titles the word vegan and the idea of veganism is just so much more familiar and and more acceptable in mainstream culture there's there's more knowledge and information and you know experts in all fields of medicine and athletics and nutrition who have done wonders to change what is normal yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great to see the shift. So hopefully it'll just grow exponentially. I know I'm seeing it here in France and going to London a lot. It's, the changes here are pretty incredible. Yeah, I think that uh, as a culture, we are leaning more toward plant-based living. Yes. Thank goodness, it's time, it's time. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about your wonderful cookbook. I know um, I didn't have you on sooner, I apologize, but I did take a little bit of a break from doing my podcast, so I'm happy yeah. to have you on now and promote it. So if you want to share a little bit about what it's about. So this book is called The Help Yourself cookbook for kids 60 easy plant-based recipes kids can make to stay healthy and save the world and it is designed for all kids to enjoy Um, it is just whole food plant-based ingredients most of the recipes are five ingredients or less Um, and I tell people that it's looks like it's designed for kids but it's also for busy or lazy adults or if you're new to veganism um, and you feel overwhelmed by the cookbooks that are out there the ingredients in this book um, are really accessible and familiar you know with a few extra superfoods in there that you may not have as part of your staples but there's a glossary and there's a shopping list and this is really how I cook at home. Everything is really simple um, and easy to make. And the ingredients are nutrient dense. And it's just a great guidebook, I think, for anybody. I give it to, you know, my friends who are just putting, you know, stepping a toe, stepping a foot into veganism and trying it out and just need go-to recipes that can become staples that don't take a lot of time that are your, your everyday meals. Yeah. And I, I love that. Cause I, I can make meals cause I've actually have been a chef. I can make meals that are more involved. Um, but I, I'm definitely more of a lazy, <laughs> a lazy chef myself. <laughs> well, nobody has time. It's, 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 especially if you're transitioning and, um, you are trying to get 
healthier, but this, you know, you're looking at an entire new shift, it can be completely overwhelming. And when you look at a recipe that, you know, has five or six things on it that you don't normally have in your fridge, it's totally understandable that it's likely that you would revert back to, you know, whatever your other norm is. So this book is also, every single page is a full color photograph um, with, with the art weaved in and out of it. And it's fun. And I love cookbooks that have photos. So I'm really proud that every single page of this book um, has something, something to look at in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. And you also give um, some tips on what to, what to have on your grocery list and why to be vegan. I really, I really like that in a, in a way that um, kids and adults can relate to. Yes, it's, it's lighthearted and there's little educational tidbits throughout about health and nutrition and animals and the environment that relates to plant-based eating that everybody should know. Yeah. Do you want to give a couple examples of those? Sure. Uh, Well, I start off the book with some um, drinks that kids can make, which are fun because you kind of dye the water with natural foods like, you know, sprinkled blue-green algae, which can turn your water this bright, brilliant aqua blue. It's kind of amazing. Um, but the, the tip on that page is when your body gets thirsty, your brain actually shrinks. So drink lots of water to stay hydrated. You'll need full brain power if you're going to save the world. So that's just fun educational stuff for kids to ingest, um, no pun intended. <laughs> Little things like that throughout the book, um, you know, about how how many gallons of water but you know I have a nut milk recipe and and the tip on there is it takes 2000 gallons of water to produce 1 gallon of cow's milk and that means that every glass of cow's milk that you drink costs the earth 48 gallons of precious water which is enough to fill two bathtubs it gives a good visual impression of what we're doing to the earth and to animals by participating in the milk industry so there's little bits and pieces. It's not too heavy-handed. Um, and this is good info that everybody needs to know as, as we shift as a culture toward finding solutions to the global um, issues and problems that we face with water, waste, and energy, and um, the preservation of soil and the environment and the degradation of land. This all needs to become normalized information yeah and the, i think the generation that's coming up now is gonna is more open to it and want, caring about the planet way more than when i was growing up that's for sure it's like oh i think if i had heard this information at 10 years old i i wouldn't have really thought about it but also climate change wasn't so in your face in the 70s you know yeah And I think it's a great time with the political atmosphere that we have and everybody realizing that they need to do their part, that the progressive population, especially since you know better, uh, (laughs) needs to really step up changing 
our habits and our spending power if we really yeah. want to see change. You know, that's a problem yeah, we, we see with a lot of the environmental organizations. They don't really want to touch animal agriculture because they don't want to offend their base or make their base, you know, feel like they've done something wrong or participating in something wrong and stop, you know, throwing money toward environmental issues instead of, you know, actually changing the habits and really bringing up the issues that would create widespread global shifts in protecting the environment. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping some of the more mainstream environmental groups um, will get on board because they're going to be left left behind. Yeah, well, they have a system in place for, you know, getting money from their donors as it is now. And um, it's a risk for them to bring up any other issues that might, um, yeah. that might change that business model. Um, but we'll see. That's why we... I always go back to individual responsibility and, you know, not, not necessarily giving your money to organizations or, you know, once again, asking other people to change or paying other organizations to create change on your behalf. It comes down to all of us on an individual level. Yeah. Yeah. That makes total sense. That's great advice. Um, so let's get to the best part. Let's get to some of the recipes. <laughs> there's, um, maybe let's start with maybe the lifeboats. Sure. Share that. Um, yeah, the lifeboats are basically lettuce cups, um, and I fill them with avocado, and then you know you can top that with um, with all kinds of stuff. Um, in this book, I have kids take the little sheets of seaweed that have become really popular snacks and cut them mm-hmm. into little long slivers. So they're kind of julienned, but you can do it with the scissors. Um, and it makes a fun shape, and it also makes cooking feel like an art project. Um, and seaweeds are so nutrient-dense and give us nutrients like iodine that you're not really getting from a lot of other foods and are protective, you know, toward all kinds of toxicity. Um, so these are little lifeboats um, in the Help Yourself Cookbook. They're placed on an, on what looks like an ocean, and there's little monkeys hanging from the sailboats. Uh, I've actually <laughs> seen photos from, from parents and kids who are have made these recipes. They send me pictures and the kids are um, mimicking the food styling too. So they stick a little toothpick in the lifeboat in the avocado and uh, put a little paper sail on it. It's really cute to see kids getting excited and involved in the kitchen and eat and picking whole foods on their own volition just because it's presented in this really fun way in a cookbook. Yeah, and I think that's what I, I love about your book, too, is that getting kids to actually want to eat vegetables um, and healthy food and getting them involved with it and making it fun and silly and creative, those are such great ways. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's been great to get photos from kids around the world in the kitchen and 
making stuff like the broccoli bisque soup and just things that we're told, oh, kids don't like. Kids don't like green stuff. Um, and I, I think that parents fall into a trap of believing that and giving up very quickly if a kid says no to something new, which usually, you know, just takes a matter of time for anybody to get used to any kind of change. Uh, I've, I've gotten great feedback from parents with picky eaters, especially who, you know, look through the the book. They look at the book the first time and maybe, you know, turn a shoulder to it and say, I don't want that. And then within a couple of weeks of letting the book sit around, um, they've gotten excited and marked the recipes that they want to make and are actually trying new things and making new things on their own and asking for seconds. Wow, that that must be so rewarding. It really is. It's really exciting. <laughs> um, so I think we have time for one more recipe if you want to share one of your favorites, maybe a dessert. That's always okay. People let, me, let me go to that section. Um, the no-bake chocolate balls are um, one of my favorites. There's so many like little superfood bite chocolate, you know, round ball recipes on the internet. And um, sometimes you have to have a whole bunch of ingredients to make them stick together. But I really, really pared it down to almond butter, dates, a little cacao powder and agave or maple syrup. And then there's some optional vanilla extract or, you know, a handful of shredded coconut for coating. Um, And it's, really really simple to make and I made all the portions very small so you're not making giant batches of anything and it's just mixing a few things together in a small bowl and molding it into a little ball in your hand and sticking it in the freezer for five minutes so it it kind of holds its form Um, and those are really great nutrient-dense you know magnesium full dessert to make that kids love and they're great for lunch boxes or when kids have other friends over and they're making snacks together to introduce to other kids and um, everybody likes those. Wow. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely try those. Everyone listening doesn't sound amazing. Um, so we only have an, about a minute left. If you have any last minute words of wisdom or anything you'd like to share with my audience today. I think everyone who's on this journey, um, the the best advice I can give is to think about adding new things in versus taking things away from your normal repertoire. And by doing that, um, you're actually introducing so much more nutrient-dense foods into your system and you start craving them and by default, you just start eliminating the things that don't make you feel good and aren't good for you. And um, I really welcome everybody who's getting on board to take the plunge and to join the movement. Yeah, those are great advice. And yeah, if anyone is at all intimidated, maybe starting with Ruby's cookbook and going from there, because that's, I know for me, making that plunge was kind of scary, even though I'd been vegetarian for 20 years when I finally went vegan. And um, it can 
yeah, once once you're in it, you're I no one ever at least I've never heard anyone say, gosh, why did why did I do this now and regret doing it? It's usually quite the opposite. They're so grateful and feeling better and feeling good about themselves. Yes, and you know any ha- new habit takes work. If if you are a vegan your whole life and then someone said you have to eat meat and you had to learn all these new recipes, that, like it would feel like a tremendous burden to go that way. Um, there yeah, would be so much exactly. to learn. So it's just um, it's just practicing new habits and establishing routines and and feeling better. And feeling better opens you up um, psychologically to even more change and to solidifying yeah. the transformation. So um, you, that is why my book is called Help Yourself. Um, it's all kinds of meanings. You're, you're helping yourself to help the world. And by helping yourself, it, it promotes a cycle of helping yourself even further across the board on, on being open to all kinds of um, health practices and modalities and um, new habits. Oh, I didn't even think of it that way. That's really smart. So thank you, Ruby. I'm, I wish we had more time, but we have to say goodbye, and we'll do this with your next book for sure. Okay, awesome. All right, thank you, everybody, and thank you, Heather, for all the work you do and for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Ruby. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. So thank you, Ruby, for coming on. Uh, tune in tomorrow for the 300-pound vegan David Carter, he was a Dallas cowboy and is now a vegan activist, so definitely tune in. If you want uh, a phone consultation, please contact my office through my website, livenaturallivewell.com. I offer phone consults anywhere in the world. I would love to help you. Follow me on Twitter at Doc Heather, and make sure to make my show a favorite. Take care and live natural, live well. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.